When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oh no, is it everywhere? No, sure, stay and sort that out. We can have dinner another time. Amazing. Whether it's cancelled plans... Ah, to get in the kitchen and calm down. ...or the need for a quick, convenient distraction. Introducing Goodfellas Mini Pizzas. Four mini pizzas made with respect that cook in 11 minutes. Goodfellas Minis. Embrace the unexpected. Welcome to the festive... Well, is it festive? It's that funny in-between bit that hasn't got a name, in it? Yeah, I mean, we've basically pulled ourselves away from eating... Yeah. I'm so full. I'm so fucking full. The 48 the hours of Christmas and Boxing Day, I'm not being, I needed pulling through with a towel <laughs> or something at the end of it. Do you know what I mean? It was, it was, it was not good. Yeah. I'm just so, t- I'm so bored of being full. I don't know, but I've got nothing else to do but just sit and eat. So, so that happens. So welcome yeah. to the Little Mud Podcast, the podcast that was back in work Friday and is also in work tomorrow. <laughs> really? So, yeah. Mate. So there you go. I'm Lee, and over there, the man who's smugly <laughs> uh, looking at me now as a man who's not in work tomorrow is absolutely not in work tomorrow. Uh, I, I'm Josh. Just about. Did you have a good Christmas, Josh? Did yeah, you right. did you ding dong merrily on high? Did you look down on the feast of Stephen? Did you bring good tidings of comfort and joy, or did you want to murder most of your family by half past two on Christmas Day? Uh, my, my family is so my family unit is so compact that uh, I mean it's, it's it's fine. Like Christmas, there's only like four, three of us, so it's like we've got to go quite some way to really fuck everyone off. The sort of that is ve- get into that is rough. very compact. It must be said. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all for compact you family units. You can get units, your but... family into a Ford car comfortably. Yeah. It's not that I don't have other relatives. It's just I don't have anything to do with them, so it's fine. Wow. Well, it's like yeah. Good for you. How I, was, your I was all right. I was down Did at you my, murder anyone? No, I was at my brother-in-law's house. Um, it was very nice. It was nice seeing him. And also, they've got small children, so that was. That I was feel a like nice that thing. must always add a bit of. Um, a bit like, of getting up at half five in the morning on Christmas Day, that kind of thing. Is that what you want added to your I mean, life, Josh? I mean, I'd, I'd have to sleep through <laughs> that. I feel. Yes. If you'd have said yes, I wouldn't have believed you. So. Uh, <laughs> There'd have been some Olympic level sleeping through stuff going on there in my for my part, but um, yeah, no, I just feel like kids must make Christmas more fun because when Christmas is all adults, it's just kind of like, hey, yeah, it's nice, Christmas nice to see you all. all, but yeah, but no, it was nice. Yeah, yeah. I hope you all yeah. had a nice Christmas out there, by the way, and that you are 
well, whether you're on a commute on this Monday morning or Sunday evening as we're recording this, but Monday morning you might have us for your commute. You're back in work like me. If not, mm. you might be able to use as an excuse to escape from the aforementioned family before you aforementionedly murder them. So, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, we can I, be of I've service always, to you. Yeah, I've always thought that the sort of upper echelon of time limit that I can safely spend with uh, my extended family is three days yeah, yeah. before something bad happens. That fish um, story is a truism, but it's true for a reason, isn't it? <laughs> it absolutely is. Um, so if you are somebody who is encroaching on today, sort of five or six of your time with your family, I'm just saying for your own sanity and perhaps for your future family harmony, this podcast and going somewhere on your own for half an hour might, <laughs> uh, might be everything that you need. So there you go. Speaking of everything you need, what else do you need? You need to ask to get in touch with us. So yes, I'm available yes. at Blood and Mud or Lee at bloodandmud.com should you wish to get in touch. I've also got the DMs there open if you fancy slinging something up that. Uh, and what about you, Josh? Uh, at Josh Gardner, uh, at Roby Shirtwatch, uh, at RobyShirtwatch.com. My DMs aren't open. Um, Very good. He wouldn't, he wouldn't respond the, to you anyway, ladies and gentlemen. For the, for the best. For the best. Let's but be he wouldn't respond to you anyway. You know, let's be honest. He, he no, might just, it'd I'm, be a charade. The entire thing would be a charade. I'd just, I'd just leave you on red. <laughs> <laughs> Unread and on red, both things. Um, right then, if you, we're, we're on ACAST, we're on iTunes, we're yeah. on all that kind of yeah. stuff, all those places. We're also on Patreon. Thank you very much to everybody. I hope your patrons have had an especially lovely Christmas. I hope everyone's had a lovely one, but I hope that you've had an especially lovely one if you're one of our patrons. Uh, only a Christmas temptation Stephen Davis couldn't resist. The festive vibe in the VIP lounge this week and has upped upped his contribution. He was a bit jealous, stood behind the velvet rope in the in the normal Ale Brew round. You fancy getting into the, the festive Christmas VIP area. So welcome well, along, you know, Stephen, and thank you. Who doesn't want to be somewhere nice for the Boxing Day fixtures? You know? It's like, you know, you wanna you you come away from your family for an afternoon, you know, you want you wanna be in in some semblance of luxury. You know? Speaking of Boxing Day fixtures, one thing I did do on Boxing Day is that I watched 10 hours of Premiership football because <laughs> it was on Amazon Prime. <laughs> I started I, at I half 12 it. in the afternoon and it didn't finish until 10 o'clock at night. It was magnificent. Yeah, I, I, watched, a lot of, I watched a lot of football that day. Great. It was, uh, it was great stuff. Just it was, yeah, I, wasn't I, exactly brilliant football. Who cares? No, it's fine. Amazon, I'll like, tell I, you I, what, I, I, though, I could to say Amazon are parking a number of, you know, Independently artificial intelligence flying themselves tanks on the lawns of everybody is is understating it, isn't it? Because their coverage was fucking good. I powerfully, powerfully hope that their next salvo in dominating the world is getting a load of fucking rugby rights, to be honest. Yeah. Because if they do rugby half as well as they did football, both from a technological point of view and from a general quality of the broadcast point of view. Yes. Fucking sign me up. Absolutely. So anyway, yes, yeah, so I did a lot of that. Uh, we start as we always begin with a player spotted. Um, Aaron Cunnan gets involved and gets emailing on the DMs. And he says, my best friend works in a high-end cafe in Notting Hill where people mm. queue for hours on a Saturday for some classic eggs and avocado. Yeah, because you can only get those in high-end places, obviously. Absolutely, you can. A few weeks ago, she texted me that she had... She had Jordan La- seen Jordan Lama in with his girlfriend. Mm. May I add, he was injured at the time while his Leinster team were playing away in Lyon on Champion Cup duties. Of course, my head then oh, went nice straight little, to... 
He's signing for Saracens. Yeah, straight to his move. <laughs> is it Quinns? Is it Wasps? Is it Saracens? Before realising that no one in their right mind would leave Leinster in his position right now and he'd simply been given a week off to rest and not travel with the injury. Also, he says, my friend referred to him as Lamour in a very sexy French <laughs> accent, which I can't Lamour. help but call him now. And that's when yeah. I see him dancing through midfields and find it to be a very apt nickname. Yeah, I'm afraid... It is, yeah. People must be doing that, but I've not heard it, but I'm surprised they haven't. But yes, but Lamour is the perfect sort of uh, name for him, isn't it? Surely, yeah. yeah. So thank you very much there for that, go. Aaron. Jordan Lama in West London, having eggs and avocado. Yeah, I mean, we don't know he had eggs and avocado. Oh, no, but, we don't I mean, do it. That's where people queue to get them. But yeah, okay. Yeah. Did you know you that, know, speaking never... speaking of posh cafes, did you? A friend, of yes. my, a friend of mine from work went to Bath and he was talking about how everyone raves on about the espresso bar there, the one that Matt Stevens owns, <laughs> because it's apparently it, they've been to some Sicilian coffee award awards and they've won like a European fucking espresso thing. <laughs> Or something. Uh, what, the Jika Jika, whatever it's called. I don't know called. what it's called, but he just said, and I said, yeah. oh, is that one Matt Stevens on that he opened when he was, you know, forcibly banned, basically, because he had to fill his time. Yeah, yeah. He had to, he had to use all that energy he was getting from somewhere. At least, he's, yeah. at least he's thrown himself into it. But you see, it's just another example of how this century sucks, isn't it? Because, you know, a cup of coffee is what it is, isn't it? But instead, no, we've got to go into incredible wankdom detail about it and you know, spicy notes and fucking all that stuff. Like Ooh, with beer on... and everything else, gin and everything else. I'm just looking at uh, TripAdvisor and it claims that Jika Jika closed in 2016. I see, I'm not a coffee drinker, so I don't really care. Maybe it's um, a different one then. I th- <clears> maybe. Either way, all I, all it was I just an excuse. It was just a way a... for me to leave him moaning about co- about co- wanky coffee bars, really, I think. So... I remember there was a uh, a really good thing in about 2010 or 2011 with Matt Stevens' coffee shop where he got into some serious shit for effectively charging a corkage fee for parents who brought their own baby food. Oh. <laughs> that is exactly Ooh. the correct noise. Um, yeah, they would like charge in like 150 or something um, for... Anybody that like brought baby food, um, and then instantly everyone went fucking mental about that's, it. That's like a nuclear bomb. That's like you setting off a nuclear bomb in the local Facebook group, isn't it? Basically, I would imagine mum's net, whatever the mum's net thing for yeah, bath whatever is. the bath mum's net Facebook group is. <laughs> Was absolutely was basically scorched earth for that place, and maybe that's why it doesn't. It's not open anymore. To coin a Welsh um, word, they would have been tamping. Oh, oh, absolutely tamping. <laughs> so there you go. So that's that. Any more? Any more? You know, cafe chat. Do let us know. You can send in your player yeah, yeah. spotted via DM to leahbloodandmud.com. You can send it via the Patreon messaging service if you're one of those people that's very nicely contributes. You you get that little exclusive contact through there. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you very much. News-wise, it's a bit quiet with it being Christmas and all that. Not much news going on. Not much news going on. It's very, very, very quiet at the moment, actually, isn't it? It is. However, we've got a couple of things. Reese Webb is on his way back from when yes, he came. Toulon will not be um, compelling him just because there was a, a third-year option on his deal that um, Toulon could have triggered um, to keep him in France for another year. 
but they will not be triggering the option and he's free to go at the end of the season. Um, and he's going back. The The rumour is Dragons or Ospreys. Um, it seems more likely that he's heading back to uh, to Swansea at the moment, which, while a good thing, because he's, he's a great player and he should never have left. Uh, and, and, you know, it's, it's, I'm glad that he's coming home both personally and professionally. Um, scrum half is arguably the one position where the Ospreys don't need a good player at the moment because they've got three good scrum halves. Um, so... You have to look how much money's classic... getting, don't you? <laughs> Indeed, yeah. So it, it's kind of classic Ospreys uh, recruitment of the moment, really. It's, the, it's signing a good player in a position that we don't need. Did you see that um, thing that came out today from eSportif on their thing about the the positions that are the highest paid in rugby? Did you see that came out today? No, I didn't see that. Let me try and find it because uh, we maybe should have done this before we came on air. I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, probably should have. We should have done that. But uh, um, because <laughs> what's interesting is, is that the top... Well, let me ask you because you've not seen it. What do you think the two top paid positions are in the Pro 14 and the Premiership? Are they different for both leagues? No. The same okay, two positions um, are the highest paid. I'm going to say tight head and fly off. No. Okay. How how am I right with either of them? They're both forwards. Oh, um, number eight and loose head prop. No, it's the two. I'll put you out of your misery. It's the yeah, two. It's, it's the two lock positions. Shirt really? number four and shirt number five are the highest average earners in both the Premiership and the Pro 14. Third nice. place in the Premiership is is fly off, and second place in the Guinness Pro 14 is number eight. There's got to be some... What do you think the two top positions, paying positions are in the top 14? <laughs> is it tight head and loose head? No, it's not. <laughs> it's, it's the two wings. I mean that is pure. That, that is just perfectly. French, and then the it? second yeah, yeah. highest paid is the ten. Yeah. But I'm even then, in third it. place, then is the two locks. So I find it. Well, here we go. Then is interesting. Um, why is this then? Why? Because yeah, I would never. You could have given me ten guesses at this, and I'd never have guessed it. In fact, esports Eve did a did a. I mean, they're not very well followed, so there weren't very many people who, who voted. To be honest, but they asked, you know, what who do you think is the highest paid and only five percent of the people responding out of 35 people said uh, right. said, said it was lock and actually i think most people wouldn't know that so why do why is it do you think why are locks paid that much i don't know let's have a let's have a there's, discussion there's got to be like a couple of big old earners that are skewing that who would be like, really big lock earners in the premiership then uh Itoji. everybody at saracens um yeah, Maru, yeah, everyone, Marutoji. All the internationals, and... you're probably Launchbury, aren't you? Yeah, Launchbury. Courtney Laws is probably on a tidy wedge. Yeah. Um, is it because a lot of second rowers are captains? I haven't done that. I haven't crunched it, but I think a lot uh, of that a position point. tends to be a captain, don't they? I mean, is is Lou Diago, who is yet to even play for sale, skewing mm. this on his own? This is for the season 1920, yeah. Right, yeah. So Ludiaga's going to be bumping that wage up big style on his own. Yeah. Um, hmm. Here's a question for you then. Is, who else is big money fucking? I mean, obviously, you're just in yeah. the Pro 14 because you've got you've got Alan Wynn, haven't you? 
Yeah. You got Corey Hill. He's probably on a fair wedge given his internet because it and it's skewed, buddy. And it. Yeah. Mm. It's a really interesting. It's who's actually you know obviously Alan Wynn like maybe, like. Some of the Irish lads yeah. are skewing it a bit as well, but again, you know, like I mean, you don't know by how much they're higher than everybody else. It might just be by like yeah, exactly. three percent or whatever. But it's uh, it's interesting. Somebody like Launchbury, I would imagine, is on yeah. a fair pledge. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's really hard to. Here's an interesting one. Yeah. Who do you think there's one position that's consistently the worst paid? I mean, you're great on a curve here, aren't you? But the worst paid across all three leagues? Six. Two. Really? Who would have thought that as well? That's so, like, given how important a hooker is for two, like, massive... Yeah, huge set pieces of the yeah, game. Yeah. You know, shit hooker and your lino don't work and your scrum don't work. And yet they're seen as relatively... That's really interesting. Like, I find this shit fascinating. It's yeah. the sort of thing that... Uh, the next the next worst paid in the Guinness mm. Pro 14 and the Premiership, bottom is hooker, next worst worst paid, open side. Wing. Really? <laughs> where are you getting the... I start to think, I wonder where they're getting these figures from, to be honest, because it is yeah. just... Anyway, I've sent it to you now, so... Mm-hmm. As you can see, I think the, the interesting thing for me is how poorly paid wingers are. Wingers are third most poorly paid as a pair. In the Premiership. In the Premiership. And yet the top paid but in France. Fifth, and fifth, fifth best most, paid in, yeah. I mean, George North is probably skewing that. and um, <laughs> Josh Adams. <laughs> Josh Adams on their own are probably skewing that quite a lot. Throw James Lowe in there as well, actually. Yeah, true. Yeah. And there's probably a lot of cash going in there. Um both the Prem and the Pro 14, like, not valuing open side flankers at all is bananas to me. Like... Yeah, I don't understand that. But again, it, it could be that, you know... And and it's obvious that they treat the two wings and the two locks as one piece of data intelligence. They're not separating them out. You know what I mean? Mm. Locks are paid that. But yeah, it's interesting enough. But I find... It's everyone... also interesting that... The fullbacks are the third highest paid one in the Premiership, but are the fourth bottom and third bottom in the top fourteen and the Pro fourteen as well. You have to um, wonder how many how, how the Stuart out- Hogg again. Yeah, how the outliers throw this. That. Yeah, is Elliot Daly counted as a fullback? Andy Good, uh, not Andy Good. Alex Good. <laughs> yeah, Andy, definitely not Andy him. Good's not yeah. skewing anything. <laughs> Um, well, he skewed the average weight of yes. a starting fly-off in the Guinness Premiership over the last 10 years. But, um, but the, yeah. Everyone talks about how important having a proper breakaway and a fetcher is and all that, and a jackal mm. and all that, and then they're apparently just... Not they're, they're the apparently not, way. according to the wages that are being paid. But again, it's it's they're interested in themselves, but I suppose there's a lot, because you've got to look at there's a lot of young people playing seven, and a lot of big names coming through at four or five. I think a lot of captains are probably locks. That probably does a, mm. a lot of senior players also, in that position. And also the fact that, yeah, just locks tend to get better as they get older, you know, mm. to the point where, and you can see a lot of locks sort of playing well into their 30s, which they may not in other positions. And when you get to that point, you are going to be demanding fairly big bucks, I guess. Yeah, I suppose. But however, I think that the hook, what we do learn from this is that hookers need to form a union 
<laughs> and they need to start, start fucking getting some negotiations. <laughs> some some, <laughs> some collective hell? bargaining going for their role. And the, the top 14 needs to dramatically start valuing loose head props more <laughs> as well. Because yeah. honestly, when yeah. you look at the the revolution that's going on in front rows across the world at the moment, but particularly at loose head and you know, only hookers are paid worse than loose heads in the top 14 guys. Come to, come to England, come yeah. to Wales, Scotland and Ireland. We'll give you good money. Good job. Now going to the hooker. Look, everyone needs to play. We all need Hollywood hookers now. Fuck you, mate. Not for the money I'm on. Not a chance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I will fucking. I am push. working to rule. I'm throwing into the line out, <laughs> and I am pushing in the scrum, and that is it. I'm doing nothing else until I get a better deal. Is that why Bristol managed to get Harry Thacker for fuck all then? <laughs> Probably, <laughs> because Leicester just offered him nothing, and Bristol was just like, "Well, we'll give you a little bit better than nothing," and he was like, "Fine, <laughs> yeah. all right, yeah." That's not fair, but you're a hooker, mate. You know what I mean? There's a market yeah. out there. Oh, well, yeah. Don't hate the player, good. hate the game. You know. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so sorry that all began with Reese Webb coming back to the Ospreys, probably on a shitload of money. Uh, but again, yes. is it is it being is it a um, central contract job? Uh, I would very much doubt it at this point in his career, and given how many good nines Wales have got at the moment, um, it could end up being very good for the Ospreys in. The sense that I mean, he might actually play more than ten games a season for them, given Thomas Williams and yeah. uh, Gareth Davis fairly nailing down the shirts. But we'll see. Um, yeah. Okay. The other bit of news is that Jordy Barrett's been kicked out of a cricket game. It's been a really slow news week, hasn't it? Let's be honest. Um, but very funny. Yeah. So he he was at the um, MCG for the Australia New Zealand uh, Boxing Day test. And uh, got kicked out by security for sculling half a beer. And I've seen it. It's honestly, <laughs> like, of yeah. all of the things that I would expect to go on on a Boxing Day test at the MCG, I would imagine that sculling, a, sculling half a beer, not even a full <laughs> beer, come on. Downing half Maybe a that's why they kicked him out. Like, it is Australia yeah, after all, you know. We're not tolerating that kind of behaviour here, mate. What, drinking a bit? No, not drinking enough beer. Out. Yeah, yeah, you've got a full one, but you can fuck <laughs> off. Um, but yeah, so uh, it's a bit, it's a bit embarrassing, really, isn't it? But of course, Not when you read that, I've never, ever, I've, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of kind of drop off between the headline of the story in this day and age, isn't there? But the drop off between yeah. the headline and that story is remarkable because you think yeah, you're going to find out that he's like basically pissed on some children because he's so drunk. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. Something. I was really looking forward to something <laughs> properly fucking awful, alien. <laughs> Yes. And now he like, apparently some a bloke got fucking tackled by security for making a beer snake as well. So I feel like the guys at the MCG might fucking need to tone it down a little bit by the sounds of it. There was a there's some reports about when um when the Aust- sorry, when Cardiff played the Dragons mm. and there was a group of the Dragons fans that sp- Dragons fans that spent most of the game chanting fuck off Cardiff. Which over and over again. And somebody got upset because he said, well, it was right by my five-year-old daughter. And, is it, and, it, and I'm always conflicted with this stuff because I am like, you know, but this, this is what happens in sports crowds. However, yeah. it is we do want it to be family entertainment. So, however, I do think it's better to say to kid, you might hear some words that you don't like because that's what happens. And, yeah. you know, chanting fuck up, people who are not from Cardiff chanting fuck, fuck off Cardiff at Cardiff 
is a tale as old as time, really. It's as, it's as Welsh um, a tradition as the Eisteddfod, you know what I mean? Yeah, and it's just like, like you say, we don't want sort of sports to become inhospitable to people. But at the same time, that's what fucking going to live sport is. You hear some fucking words you've never heard before <laughs> as a child, you know? Yes. And actually, I just tended to giggle all the way through it when I used to hear the. I thought it was great. Because there's nothing funny when you're a kid and hearing grown ups swear openly, is there? You're like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sort of oh, thing. I, yeah, shouldn't exactly. have, I shouldn't have heard that. Well, I don't yeah. think so, anyway. But yeah, so yeah, interesting. So yeah, as you, as you can tell, it has been a very slow news week, everybody. So um, there you go. That's the end of the news. So there was rugby this weekend. We were on last week. It seems like, again, a long time ago because of Christmas and all that. But we were on this time last week. So. There's we been really? a yeah we did we recorded right. last Sunday but since then no, you know as the, did, whole, the Christmas time void has happened it has so we had a round of fixtures this weekend what did we uh what did we pick up from it Josh um I learned that Rob Baxter is the ultimate tonic to your post Christmas slump um you want to spice up the post match of a dour era strewn game that was billed as the game of the century but it was actually kind of just okay. I actually um, really enjoyed it. There's something about in the midst yeah. of Christmas. <laughs> it was compelling. The two biggest but teams. It wasn't the game of the century, was it? No, no, it wasn't. But what you do is then you you walk into the post match and you drop some motherfucking truth bombs all up <laughs> in this shit. Um, just I, I assumed that he was asked by Five Live about the whole Saracens thing. Yeah. Um, and his response was fucking brilliant, which is. <laughs> There are supporters of rugby clubs who have watched coaches getting sacked and players leave and all different kinds of things, and part of that has been Saracens cheating. You can't run away from it. Zing. Fucking zing. <laughs> I do love Rob Baxter. Yeah. <laughs> and then sometimes the people... Because he doesn't even do it to shit out. I think he does it from a, no. from a kind of centre of ethical sort of, this Absolutely. is just what I think. Because well, he goes on in. to say. Yeah. Sometimes the people who've pointed out that Saracens have cheated almost get pointed out to be the bad guys themselves sometimes. Well, the people who have made comment on it aren't the cheats, and that is the bit that some rugby supporters have felt more frustrated about. The nicest thing about getting today done is we can move on, and we can move on to almost the real business of the Premiership, which is getting our head down and collecting some points against other teams. Um, He doesn't want to move on. He wants to keep banging this drum until they're fucking lifting the Premiership title at the end of the season. And more power to him. But, yeah, good shit. I love it when when Rob Baxter just... Yeah, get the pulpit. And, and does it without even losing his rag? He just does it in this kind no, no, of sort absolutely of absolutely perfectly calm yes. and measured. And he's thought about everything that he's going to say, yeah. and he's going to say, you know what? Fuck you! All the people that said that we were sore losers for saying that they were cheats and there was something going on there. But he's got the decency and the integrity to not go fuck you, which is what I would do in that situation, and actually be quite sort of measured about it all. Otherwise, you know, it was an okay game. I thought. Yeah, I um, I sort of yeah, but I kind of enjoyed it on one level because it's very compelling. You can produce a game that isn't utterly brilliant, but you can produce a game that's still utterly brilliant, but for all the so-called wrong reasons. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't call it utterly brilliant, but I, I did do think that that's fair enough. I do hyperbole though. That's what I do. So yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Exeter's defense today was some fucking all-time. Thermopylae epic shit. <laughs> <Yes>. Nice <laughs> like, reference, I like it. It was, it was just 
like the way that they held Saracens out when you've how many times have we seen the movie that Saracens got themselves into frequently until the seventy eighth minute or whatever it was, and it was just like, well, there's only one thing that happens here. There's a there's a line out and Saracens are going to score or Saracens have got a ruck in the middle of the park five metres out, they're going to score. Or Saracens have got a scrum under the posts, they're going to score. And every single time, Exeter just went, nah, we're going to make you knock it on, or we're going to turn the ball over. Yeah, the number of times somebody, it was like a a very large cast of characters got in there, didn't they? Jack Noel got in, was it the end of the first half, and Noel got in there right on the line and nicked the ball in a rut? Yeah. Um, um, Simmons did one Sam's, later on, but it's like Sim, a whole. So the Simmons of... tackle on Jamie George at the stroke of halftime was fucking <laughs> epic. The way that he held him up, how, you know, a fly off of his size. Who is he's just small for a fly off mm. that guy? And he, Jamie George, was peeling off the back of a, a rolling mall that was absolutely going all the way two yards out and somehow he got and not only tackled him he got underneath him and he held the ball up that was like that was one of the best defensive plays a lot of people will talk about sort of ridiculous cover tackles and Charles Piertow did one of those on mm. on Friday night they're brilliant don't get me wrong but that <laughs> in that space where all Jamie George had to do was fall over and let his much 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 bigger body weight do the job and somehow Simmons got under like the the commitment that that just personified throughout that entire Exeter team today was fucking brilliant. They were unbelievably good. Like, just tenacious, organised, physical. They were well over the edge at times as well, but mm. that's where you need to be if you're going to be That's a good why defender. I kind of liked it. That's why I kind yeah. of, you know, there's sometimes you just want to see a game when it's just all blood and thunder and, and borderline shithousing that then spills over into the necessary fight the substitutes become involved in. Can I just say, I lo- both loved that fight <laughs> for it being entirely necessary. Harry Williams for steaming in there for yeah. no reason I, lo- I love it when you get a little bit of like local league <laughs> behaviour at the top level. But the subs and what I also loved on. was uh, Tony Rowe sitting as he was behind the substitutes when Harry Williams came back over, basically laughing his tits off and pointing at him because he was basically knew that he was going to get sent off. <laughs> And Tony Rowe was fucking <laughs> pissing himself and loving it. Yes. And I'm happy for we, you to do the time for that. Rowe in that yeah. moment, yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> you yeah. silly cunt! You've got yourself sent off, but it was funny. It was basically the vibe that I was getting. And we've still in. won. This is great. Yeah, and we're still going to win the game. It's fine. Uh, um, yeah. But yeah, they kept Sari scoreless for 77 minutes, and they only conceded down to 14 from a penalty try. You know, they never actually got across the whitewash. And that's pretty fucking You don't remarkable. get that very often, do you? Saris Especially were, given the fact that Saris were laying siege for a lot of that as well. It yeah, wasn't just... Yeah, loaded a... for bear. That was as, as full strength as Saracens' team. Well, they both were, weren't they? They both, they both went double and it was barrel, a full yeah. Strength. And, they, you know, they went on each other hammer and tongs and extra this time were just... What I think was really quite telling was that, you know, in games past between Saracens and Exeter where it's got to 65 or 60 minutes and Saracens have had an extra load of people to bring off the bench and turn the game as they did in the Premiership Finals so memorably. There was none of that this year. <laughs> like, they kept... You know, they were basically... They were coming at them from about 20 minutes in 
and Exeter just stood there and were like, no, we're just going to defend for 80 minutes. And it was it was dour to watch, but it was, fuck me, it was impressive. Yeah, quite. And again, yeah, that's something that rugby is, one of the great things about rugby is a game for all, of all sizes and all measures and all approaches, yeah. isn't it, in many ways? It doesn't always have to be fucking super rugby razzle-dazzle 38 points each. Sometimes it can just be a proper fucking... Because it can just be awful thing. and yet not awful all at the same yeah. time. Yeah. It's very compelling. Um, well, that's what I learned for the weekend. Somebody has snuck in and loosened the nuts on all of Bristol's wheels. They're they've not quite to... coming off, but somebody's loosened the nuts, haven't they? To, There's a speed a wobble going there. About them. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm sure they weren't this fragile a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> you know? They look like they've been figured out a bit, and they look like they don't have enough about them up front to compensate for the fact that they've been figured out a bit. Like, they're not even doing the thing, you know, they're not even fucking Harlem Globetrotters-ing this shit at the moment. They just look like a team that's kind of... They have one way of playing, and when somebody works that out, they don't really have a lot of other things to do, which is admirable in a way that they're committed to playing this sort of open, expansive game. But, you know getting battered by Saris like they did last week and then losing at home to a fucking rudderless Wasps team. When you looked at... I know that, you know, they're still nominally, you know, in the in the hunt for the playoffs and all that sort of stuff at the moment, but, like, you look down that table as well and, you know, they're currently sat in fourth on 18 points, but... It's only going to take a couple of results to go the other the way that they don't want it to go, and they're going to be right in the midst of a fucking relegation scrap again. Mm. And I think the best news for them is that the Six Nations isn't far away, because yeah. a lot of the teams around them will lose a lot of players, and Bristol won't. It's a hard season to call, it's isn't it? Because so many people yeah, without really players is. at the beginning, and then they're going to lose a load of players pretty soon after <laughs> Christmas. Then yeah. there's Europe as well, still running on for a lot of teams as well. So it's gonna it's gonna be really interesting to see how this all goes. Yeah, Bristol haven't looked right for about a month, I'd say. But because it was off with Europe, yeah. they kind of and they were playing against the Stade France team that is basically just fucking insane. Um, they sort of covered that up a little bit, but there's something not right there at the moment. And <laughs> it's you look at them and you know, who've they got? They've got Leicester away next. That is a fucking massive game. Like, in the complexion of the season, if Leicester win there, all of a sudden, they've got to go... They've got Gloucester at home. That's a tough game. Then they've got to go away to Saints, um, which I think will be just before the start of the Six Nations. And then... See, even even during the Six Nations, they've got Worcester at home. Worcester aren't going to lose many players in the Six Nations. They got Bath away, they will. Um, I just yeah, I look at their season and I just think if they can't if they need they don't get back to what they were doing about a month ago, where they were mixing being fucking solid up front with doing all the fucking razzle dazzle shit. This could get this could well, be quite a sticky. They've got nothing season. to worry about because two words, London Irish. Well, I've got two words for you as well. Headshot. Uh, <laughs> no team's going to stay up if you're getting people sent off 
for scandalously reckless tackles every fucking week. Yes. Um, and yeah, it's London Irish spent a lot of money, a lot of money again, just like they did last time. I, they're not. They don't seem to be getting the kind of results that they probably should be for the amount of investment that they've put in there. No. Still. Won one game. Yeah. Leicester have, I mean, Leicester have managed to not lose a game, as Andy and Brum got in touch to, 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 to rejoice in. Leicester in not losing <laughs> game, shocker. Um, we need to have a word with Quinn's. Like, Paul Gass- I expect better from Paul Gustard mm. than whatever the fuck that Quinn set piece is. <laughs> because, it, like, they, they were, they'd won that game. And then Leicester just went, oh, they haven't got either a scrum or a line-out. Let's do that then. And just monstered their way to a draw that they in no way deserved, you know, at half time. And yeah, I, I, this, this is such a weird season because everyone's good and everyone's shit, except for Exeter, who seemed pretty good. Yes. Like, like everyone's got it in them to be shit at some point, and everyone's got it in them to be very good at some point. Bath seemingly are good now. Yes. I mean, you know, beating London Irish is not exactly something that, you know, we should base a whole season on. But, you know, yeah, they, they look a lot more coherent. They again, though, didn't they, like, the weekend? Yeah. You know, Sale have looked all right at times this season. Worcester have looked all right at times this season. Bristol have looked excellent at times this season. Well, and both beat terrible. Sale, didn't they, yesterday? Yeah, it's like, I don't, yeah. I don't understand what's... I don't understand this season. I don't understand who's good anymore except for Exeter. <laughs> Which is why we might as well just give it to them now. And maybe that's the Saying way it will be. Point. There's Exeter and Leinster, and there is no one else. There's Exeter, <laughs> there's Leinster. There's about 14 country miles of open space and pasture. Then there's everybody else, basically. <laughs> yeah. I will say, though, I do think that Saints are legit. Uh, it, you know, they might, okay, they got monstered by Leinster home and away. But in the Premiership sense, I think they're the only team that have got any shout of really giving Exeter any kind of problems at the sharp end because they've basically just got really, really fucking good halfbacks and a solid pack. Mm. I still don't think they have anything. They, they, they're not going to get anywhere near them. But, you know, with Bristol falling off, Sarri's mathematically unlikely and Gloucester and Quinn's showing real vulnerability at times. Like, they're the only team that looks like they can be consistent enough to actually still be relevant at the end of the season. That was I'm a cracking game, by the way. That was fucking brilliant. <laughs> also a classic yeah. Dan Bigger game in that he spent three quarters of it limping. Yeah. And still managed to... I'll tell you who didn't have a very good game that game, Ben Kay, who kept making some... I mean, you know, Weir wants to talk, but he's like getting paid, where at one point he said, oh, Ben Kay's injured, that's not a problem, because uh, James Grayson is on the bench. And then t- about half a second later he went, oh, no, he isn't. Sorry, he's not on the bench. <laughs> So just, I, I, and what Look, they did the worst thing because Nick Williams was trying to make it. And Nick Williams went, "Oh, I, I live in the past as well. Don't worry about that, Ben." And then Ben came in. It's because I saw him warming up. That's why I thought he was playing. It's like no shush now. Stop, stop, stop trying to explain why you just the hole is six feet deep, Ben. Just don't stop it. And then Gloucester kicked a goal. already went, and Northampton are right back in it. Oh, sorry, I mean Gloucester are right back in it. 
<laughs> and he was just like, oh no, just turn your mic off and have a minute to, to get yourself back in. Because I felt actually quite sorry for him because obviously Ben Case, I think, is actually pretty good pretty much all the good, time. But yeah. he just needed to have one less sherry over Christmas, I think. <laughs> or one less bottle of sherry, maybe. And it's... Nick Mullins, despite my advice, does keep saying, calling Reese Lightning about Reese Summit. Uh, who, I mean, by the way, is the not chance. the Messiah. He just he's just quite good at finishing. He's really fucking quick. He's very quick. He's good at finishing, but everyone needs to calm the fuck down. Absolutely. It's the classic, However, somebody who does Wales two good sidesteps needs to be in the national squad immediately. No, Wales should absolutely cap him against Italy in the, in the Six Nations. One, because that's... For non-rugby reasons, Wales... though, which is a sad yeah. situation we find ourselves yeah. in now. The sad situation that you know England will steal him otherwise, but also just because it'll just make Andy Hughes shut the fuck up. <laughs> he... Um, well, you'll make him shut the fuck up about that. About that. I mean, he, to be fair, he's been quite, you know, he has been unequivocal about it, Louis Rees-Samit, hasn't he? But I suppose you just have yeah. to go, you know what, let's just completely remove the option altogether. Well, that's what, you know, that's what Warren Gatlin did with Rhys Carey <laughs> before he even got to the Saracens. Yeah, that's very it's true. Like, what's that? You're England qualified, mate. Nah, we're going to get you in a red shirt immediately. I got into a discussion and... about this, about residency, and somebody said about football. And actually, what's interesting is, is that you can qualify in residency in the football but it's five it's years. Passport. Hmm? Oh, is it five years? It's five years, and you have to have not played competitively from any other, for any other team. Um, however, the five years residency bit has been removed, has been agreed to be removed within within the home nations. Uh-oh. Um, in football, and has done for years. So that's why Ryan Giggs didn't qualify to play for England. Uh, Although everyone assumed okay. he would play for England. I've got no idea whether he would have done or not. He might have wanted to have played for Wales. There's always this assumption that he was desperate to play for England. I'm not sure that's true. But the point is is that the argument was superfluous because he was never qualified because he was born in Wales. Both his parents were Welsh and none of his grandparents were English. Just so the fact the fact he'd lived in Wales in England didn't qualify him. Yeah. So it'd be interesting. He never, that he, he could... that. He never specifically seemed like he wanted to play for Wales. Well, no, <laughs> no the, 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 we can get into that, but that's just an example of why... So you can't, if you are Scottish and then you go and live in England for a while, you generally can't qualify. Does not scant, yeah. Does not, unless you've got parental qualification. So there's an interesting view that actually the home nations could all get around the table together from a rugby point of view, the RFU, the SRU, Mm. um, and and Ireland and everybody else. Slightly different different with the football, slightly different to the football with rugby, obviously because football has a Northern Ireland Football Association and rugby does not. But... um, they could all just get around a table and say, Do you know what? We just agree that we won't have a residency rule between us. I mean, I would, I feel like that's the only way. I mean, the reality is that people RFU moving from abroad and taking up British nationality and stuff is a slightly different yeah, scenario. That's different, I, I think that is different. Yeah, the reality is the RFU would never do that because they, they have clearly have a stated policy where they want to steal as many. Good I don't think a lot of the nations. unions. I think it's easy to, to to have a go at the RFU, and God knows I I very much support that policy. But I think um, I think a lot of unions will say, "Hang on, I'm not really sure." To be honest, is it? Well, be, it's, it's I, I, how many? Unions, it's not the unions. It's the clubs who want to exploit the England player payments rule by keeping clubs keeping mm. players nationality, and that, I think that is undeniable. Is that they are using, they are exploiting what the RFU does for payments for England players and exploiting that rule. Because wasn't it something ridiculous with London Welsh where they had, they were getting uh, English player payments for a guy who was in their squad 
who I think was like he's like a fucking Kiwi centre or something, but okay. because his it was it's happened. This was when London Bus were last in the Prem, which uh, the Piri Weepu. It wasn't even yeah, yeah. it wasn't Piri Weepu. It was it was Piri Weepu era. Yes, um, I mean yeah, that era yeah. Yeah yeah, but I, they, I remember they had they were getting cash for. Um, what the fuck would they do with that money? Because it didn't seem to be going on the field. So. I mean, not a lot. Um, I think it was... Buying Piri Weepu's dominoes much, is what they were doing with it. Was it was very much a drop. It was very much a, a, a drop in the ocean scenario. But I seem to remember they had basically someone in their squad who was like a Kiwi who was uh, technically English qualified, even though he was like 31 and barely played for any, anybody. But because he had like an English grandmother or something like that. Right. London Welsh were entitled to get, you know, however much that they get, you know, 50 grand a year or whatever it is for uh, an England qualified player. And so I think it's, it's very much. But this is just like, one example of how they can be without getting too hysterical and blood and soil about it all. They can just be <laughs> recognizing that Great Britain is a strange place, that everyone mm. has a British, if you're born here, most people. Everybody has a British nationality, but technically you can you can all be another nationality within it, but it's not recognised mm. as a proper nationality, if you know what I mean. From a legal point of view, it's not recognised as a proper nationality, so you're effectively picking and choosing between national sports teams. So you could just actually get together as a group and say, you know what, we will not have residency between ourselves. unless it's pre- The only thing you can do it on is parental qualification, for example, which would seem fair enough yeah. to me. And that I way, that point does. of taking a player from you know, a Gwent school into an English club won't, there'll be no argument then about whether or not they no, are. No, that's the thing. You, unless they've no, got parental like, qualification. The players get, you know, fans of, of premiership clubs get quite chippy about this stuff, but nobody's got any, I've got no problem with Welsh players playing for Bristol or Gloucester or no, Worcester. No, doing some good, especially their the first couple, first contract at 18, that'll do them yeah, a world of good. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if it's a great environment for them, brilliant. What if then shouldn't do is then determine their international eligibility through pressure which yeah. is directly financial for the clubs. And you can so, understand why they would go, well, maybe I could sort, I could buy my mum a new house and I could do this yeah. and all that, whatever it might be. I can, you can understand it's why they would do it. But it um, yeah. I do think it is that thing, the constant issue of, of unintended consequences with all this stuff. And it's time yeah, to yeah, maybe yeah. just, and, and everyone just looks to world rugby to solve <laughs> it. But, you know, at the end of the day, the home nations in football took FIFA's, I think it's article six something, and said, you know mm. what, we'll just decide not to have part D, which is a residency bit between us. Yeah. It has to only be the parental qualification bit and grandparental qualification bit. There you go. There's a suggestion if anybody's listening. Yeah, I think that's genuinely probably the most sensible thing I've heard anybody say heard about it. me which, ever uh, say, yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's never even <laughs> But obviously, if somebody moves uh, from France, if somebody moves from the Pacific Islands, it's a different, different thing entirely. But uh, Yes. But of course, it also but, means that in the football, if you are, if you do take up British nationality late, you can just choose which team you want to play for, which is why Pat yeah. Vanden Howe ended up playing for Wales. Because <laughs> he was born in Belgium and moved here when he was a kid. But um, Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, sorry, yeah. Complete tangent yeah. there. Anything else yeah, on the weekend? Um, the Pro 14 is a total structural mess that <laughs> devalues... Is that only this weekend? That's, that, that's um, well, no, and the festive derbies have basically shown exactly why people don't take the Pro 14 seriously. Like, in Wales and Scotland and Italy, right? Yeah. The derbies basically took place with as many of the internationals as were fit which was not many in some cases, to be fair. Hmm. Um, give them a proper box office feel, to be honest. They were very good. Over in Ireland, 
um, the IRFU decided that the Christmas derbies would be the period that they rested their international players, meaning that the derbies were basically second string contests. Like, and you contrast that with the Premiership, or you contrast that with the top four team, which there was never any question that these hugely high profile fixtures wouldn't be full strength teams played at the most. I just player welfare is important, right? We all know this. The Celtic Union's commitments to giving players more rest and recovery periods than England or France do is admirable and correct. Mm. But I just, it feels weird. like unfair play to the, you know, the full houses that played, that turned out for uh, the Irish derbies over this season. And, you know, they were not bad games. They were very good games in part. But st- the RFU is still shortchanging their fans by saying, you buy these tickets to these big, you know, Boxing Day fucking derbies. So that's basically the biggest games of the year. That's not, you know, traditionally in the calendar, like it was the fucking. The problem big... is though, if it was an issue, people would stop coming, wouldn't they? So it's obviously not no, as big an issue. In this, we... in this case, they, you know, they weren't to know. <laughs> like most of the fans that were coming didn't weren't going to know that they were going to fucking see a second string team. Because the IRFU arbitrarily decided that they were going to rest all of their players over this period, so that they could all be available during the full Champions Cup thing. I mean, there were some. There were some players out there. There were some, there? but not many. But uh, yeah, and uh, but and also, just just looking at this on the other side, right? If it was a situation that these teams had to win these games yeah. desperately then they would have to do something about that, wouldn't they? The argument that was come back said, well, actually, if everybody else was better, we would not be able to do this. Yeah, and I, I don't have an issue with that. I don't have the issue with like the clubs doing it from a play-welfare point of view. or a, hmm. I mean, The issue I have is, if you want to have extra rest periods for players during the season, play less fucking games, sort the structure of your competition out so that you don't have huge periods where teams that are being expected to play without key senior players. If your players are only good, if, if a player can only reasonably play 10 or 15 games of club rugby every year, then why are we play, expecting teams to play 20 or 30 games a season? Hmm. That's the... So you're not having to go at Ireland clubs? No, not because per se. Because that's what it sounded I, a bit like, you say. That's why I started uh, no, pushing you a bit. No, not at all. I think it's, but I think that, you know, from the IRFU have effectively gone to those fans who paid their fucking hard-earned to turn up for the Boxing Day and New Year's derbies. Well, fuck you then. We're going to make you watch, you know, a burn that you didn't know existed. Because start we... Start uh, Leinster. Because we need to... Because we wanted to keep them fit. You know, we wanted to... Because we have to make to choices have... about welfare. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, and that's fine. I want teams to make choices about... I want teams to folk to have player welfare at the forefront of what they're doing. But what I'm saying is, in a competition that's already as complicated and fucking all over the shop as the Pro 14 is with its conferences and its, you know, not playing everybody every year and all of this shit, why not just play five less games a season Mm. and give players proper rest periods? You know, play a fucking development competition if you're that bothered in the the off weekends where you do just play the academy kids. And just... Stop making fans the people that have to go, oh, well, I, t- I wanted to go and watch fucking George North or whatever, or Alan Wynn Jones and Justin Tipperick, and I've got Luke Price. You know, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it doesn't grow the game when 
kids are turning up to watch, you know, what is probably and very possibly the only game of rugby they'll watch all season. And their heroes are not there, not because they're injured, but because of player welfare reasons. It, and that the ones they are just... watching are losing 44-0. Well, yeah, in the case of the Ospreys, yes. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, it, I just for me, I just think... Wasn't that Justin Tipperich's still... first game back for the Ospreys in like seven months or something? Uh, second, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he he played like... against Cardiff last week and now he's played <laughs> against it, yeah. the Ospreys. And it's, um, uh, against Cardiff, it's easy yeah. to be said, this game is my lowest point. Yeah. <laughs> in that completely deadpan way he has of delivering stuff. Yeah. Like it's he's Bob. Like and he's, and I've realised he looks and, and sounds like Bob Newhart when he actually he's delivers insane. stuff. insane. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of insane people, actually, um, Stephen Jones is the only person who hasn't moved on from the Sarri's salary cap thing now, and it's embarrassing. In between reviewing our podcast... He's uh, still going. I know, yeah. He's 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 <laughs> he's gone full Japanese soldier who still thinks World War Two is going on this week. <laughs> yeah, like constantly insisting that he knows Saracens haven't breached the salary cap. What? Even Saris gave up that fight like two months ago. Now <laughs> they've accept. Like Steve Emperor Nigel has surrendered to the Allied forces. The war <laughs> is over. You can go home to your family. Just give it up. Oh, he's unbelievable, it's- isn't he? He blocked me today, at last. Did he? Did you actually yeah. respond to him? Uh, I, I, I quote tweeted him with uh, something to the effect of what I've just said. <laughs> He's the Japanese soldier after World War Two. Did he call you a uh, dickhead or he, an amateur or something? Then uh, He described me as... Um, what did he describe me as? You can't see it uh, now. He's blocked. <laughs> well, no, that was the funny thing, because he... This is how he does it. What I've learned today is this is how he does it. He's so obsessed with having the last word which, you know, he absolutely fucking is, by the way. Um, <laughs> he, oh yeah, he called me a non-entity, which is oh, yeah, yes, like, that's quite about strong playing one. the fucking hits, man. He called me a non-entity and then he blocked me. That's going, that's basically watching Pink Floyd and they play fucking comfortably <laughs> numb and, the, and, yeah, you know, it's just like, yeah, honestly, he's, He's so determined to get the last word that what he does is he calls you a non-entity or whatever and then blocks you before you can even see it. <laughs> so it looks... So it looks... Because I didn't realise until somebody else, like, responded to me and him going, you know, why are you calling him a non-entity or something to that effect? Yes. And I was like, oh, fuck, he called me a non-entity. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> that is standard, though. He does either call you he, a dick yeah. or he calls you an amateur or a non-entity. Or and then Insta like blocks that. you before you can respond so that he can feel like he's had the last word, which is Top one of the man. saddest things I could possibly <laughs> imagine, you petty, pathetic little man. It's it's that a man in his position with all of these achieved is still is like that. It's really bizarre, really bizarre. But what's very funny is that uh, Brian Moore responded to his nonsense tweet today about how no, nobody can say that Saracens have broken the salary cap in any way. Um, and he didn't block Brian Moore. I was going to say, but he hasn't blocked him, has he? Yeah. No, quite, quite the opposite. What he said was... Uh, he said, Steve, you still haven't told us what you consider to be a suitable sanction for six breaches of the salary cap rules over three years coming after a secret deal done to pre- avoid previous investigation of things, of, uh, of investigations of findings of breaches in 2013. What's his response? Fair. We'll respond after lunch between four. <laughs> that was seven hours ago. This is a very long lunch. He'll be back on after four bottles of red wine after to sort it all out. 
Brian Mo- there's a friend of my uncle who's, who's this guy from Yorkshire and like he he is obsessed with how many people involved in things are, uh, in his in the his Yorkshire was right wing and basically you're right. saying yeah. and when I met him and he said he said I said oh, I quite like rugby he says every he said every involved in rugby union is right wing every involved in rugby union and athletics athletics randomly is right wing <laughs> I said yeah and the, the only person I could think of to counter his argument was actually me you. Again, we're non-entities, and um, and Brian Moore to counteract <laughs> yeah, the narrative maybe. of all rugby yeah, yeah. is right wing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it feels it feels a lot like that sometimes. <laughs> it does. <laughs> but you know, I don't. But yeah, drink... he's just he's gone full mental about this. Like <laughs> yeah. he will not let this lie. Even Lawrence Delalio is telling him to leave the port alone. For God's <laughs> sake! Uh, after all of that, like you just thought after. The podcast calamity that was—I mean, does he that listen whole... to that, that podcast? I've understood because I don't know if he listens to it back. He probably doesn't, but if he did, I don't know. Surely you'd look at it. Go, I mean, I right don't listen to our podcast there. back. No, so, I don't, like, not, not that he probably often. just doesn't. No, but fuck me if he did. He would think long and hard about saying these sort of things again, because he sounds like a, a proper raving lunatic. <laughs> And also, everyone's got over it. Everyone's moved on. Even Exeter have pretended to move on while not moving on. It's like, just give it a rest, man. Christ. Have you heard the news? The Irish Independent has a new podcast. We're not in the fairy tale business as journalists. We're in the truth business, and the question were there. 20 minutes, five days a week, the Indo Daily takes you beyond the headlines and into Ireland's most talked about stories. So, 25 years on, people are absolutely fascinated again with this case. The Indo Daily podcast, available on Spotify, Apple, independent.ie, and wherever you get your podcasts. Oh no, is it everywhere? No, sure, stay and sort that out. We can have dinner another time. Amazing. Whether it's cancelled plans... Ah, need to get in the kitchen and calm down. ...or the need for a quick, convenient distraction. Introducing Goodfellas Mini Pizzas. Four mini pizzas made with respect that cook in 11 minutes. Goodfellas Minis. Embrace the unexpected. Speaking of moving on, let's go mm. uh, on to the shit good ratings, shall we? Let's. On the weekend. What have you got that shit... Um, Richard Cockerell's chippiness. <laughs> like Edinburgh, right? Very good team. Yes. Derby games, tense affairs. Cockers, intense man. But he's basically been having an argument with himself about how, like, that Edinburgh don't get enough respect when nobody else is saying, like, <laughs> anything about this. He's just have, like he did it after the first game last week and after this game today. He's like. He's saying it's not a fluke when because they won. <laughs> like, Nobody's saying it's a fluke. It's Christmas. Yeah. Who are you it's calling a psycho? Nope, nobody's saying yeah. anything, Richard. Yeah. Nobody's nobody's saying anything bad about Edinburgh, and he's just inventing that they they're not getting any respect and people don't yeah. rate them. It's like I mean, lads, you've you heard mean? what they're saying about us out there. That was you, Richard. Yeah. You said it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that bit in Bananas, the Woody Allen film, where he, where he cross-examines himself and he keeps running in and out of the, <laughs> in and out of the jury chair. He's standing in a mirror and having an argument with himself about whether <laughs> Edinburgh gets enough respect or not. And it's just, it just seems bizarre. But, you know, <laughs> I'm telling you now, it's not a fluke. Did you yeah. hear the question I asked you, Richard? 
I was congratulating you on a really good performance today. Yeah, it's not fucking flute, mind. <laughs> and you could, and you and your fucking mates could stop. Oh yeah, what else we got? Shit, Geraint Jeremy gets in touch. He says, "Shit, is Harry Williams of Exeter Chiefs from the subs bench run, from the subs bench runs on escalates a scuffle and gets a deserved red." Oh yeah, it was entirely deserved. I still don't think it was shit. I thought it was fucking hilarious. <laughs> Me too. That's awesome. The first. I know we should say down with this sort of thing, but I'm not having it. Yeah. yeah. No, it's brilliant. Also, his yellow card that he got earlier in the game was the first yellow card he's ever got in his career, and then he followed it up by getting a red card in the same game. Which I mean, that's just. Yeah, that's a red letter day. I'm on literally. the full downhill slope now, lads. There's nothing I can't say, I can't pull it back. You can't go back. Can't go back. I'm on the off. I'm on the off ramp. We're out of it. <laughs> uh, what else have got this shit here? Dog botherer gets in touch and says shit is monster getting handily put away at home by Lens's third team. Reference your conversation before, Josh. Mm-hmm. Shit, Sarri's not getting nilled, but he said good as the Simmons brother brothers who still will somehow not be picked for England. Sam's not big enough. Yeah. Joe, on the other hand. He's also not big enough. Oh, yeah. Early days, though. (laughs) Early days. But, yeah, not big enough generally, which is weird because Sam is bigger than Joe. So, surely, if they could just, just, like, I don't know, swap bodies. In fact, I'm just seeing it now. I mean, Joe Simmons is actually Face off two. So, he's he's plenty big enough. He's just not going to get picked. Face off two, the sequel. The Simmons is swap faces. And Joe's finally big enough to play for England. <laughs> Honestly, though, every time you watch Exeter in a game of that magnitude and they play that well, you're just basically sitting there going, how are you not playing for England? How yeah. are you not playing for England? How are you not playing Rob for England? Rob sat in the bench going, I'm so glad none of these people play for England. Absolutely. But it's like, fuck me, how the fuck does Don Armand not play for England? You know, I mean that's an old that's an old argument that is. A very I know, old but it's argument. still fucking true. It's like, <laughs> there's so many, you know. Only Dewey didn't have a brilliant game. Um, Sam Hilda rather didn't have a brilliant game, but like, how is he not playing for fucking England? You know, I think Sam. I understand why Sam Hill's not playing for England. He's excellent. I do a little. He's bit, excellent you... right up to the point where he wouldn't be, which is when he got to international <laughs> level. Maybe I don't know, but I feel like. Have you met Brad Barrett? Remember Brad Barrett when he tried to be an international rugby player? Actually, he is. He has. He's very Barretty, isn't he? Yeah. But he did have that one game against New Zealand. I feel like Sam Hill's got that in him. <laughs> you know, in this World Cup, in this next World Cup cycle, Sam Hill will have a fucking amazing game against the All Blacks. That'll be it. Absolutely. Um, he's played for the Saxons. I don't even know if the Saxons still exist. Yeah. But, you, know. you know what? I actually don't know that. That's true. I do know that Don Armand is better than Brad Shields. That I do know. Yeah, like quite a bit better. Yeah. <laughs> and Sam Hill's really fucking good. Um, Johnny Hill, rather, sorry, is really fucking good. Yeah, well, I was like, I just. I, <laughs> what, what is this, like, fucking shroud that seems to sort of basically stop at Bath? That means yes. that no, Eng- no English player. Well, Jack get- Nolan, Henry Slade get a look in, don't they? But uh, he's out. He's injured, but done his leg, hasn't he? Slade, yeah. But uh... yeah, yes, <clears throat> yeah. And except for Jack Nolan, Henry Slade, like nobody from Bristol and nobody from Exeter are allowed to play for England. And you know, Pat Lamb and Rob Baxter are fucking delighted about that. But at the same time, <laughs> it's fucking absolutely ridiculous because they've got Exeter in particular. I've got some unbelievably good players. 
and you know they just don't get any kind of looking and you look at the you know on a proper sort of first 15 versus first 15 you know the Saris lads who've all got 70 million fucking caps each were getting fucking battered and not that they played badly but they just they were and like 18 best. year olds that come through at Saracens get capped before some of these Exeter players yeah, is, there's exactly. definitely some the fucking the, the winger Saris winger today, you know who's talking about you know they're talking about capping him and you know it's it's like fucking hell you know there's a lot of players down next to way that could probably do with a cap as well but anyway whatever anyway uh, yes has got the shit here uh, um, Tim, standing go, item go on in. You for me go. um the ospreys obviously um, 44 nil yeah great uh unsurprising if anything, which is makes it Did you take a game in difficult. while you were back home over Christmas? Were you tempted? No, of course I wasn't. I <laughs> could literally, I don't think you could have paid me to go down the because you're not a real fan, no longer a flan, fan. Yeah, I'm not a real fan, it's true. I'm an ex-fan, apparently, according <laughs> to certain Australians on Twitter. Um, but like the, the new low levels that they're sort of seeming, not just on the pitch, but off the pitch, where their social media team selectively edited Justin Tipperich's post-match quotes to remove the aforementioned lowest moment in the Osprey. It is an Osprey. So we're not playing with enough pride in the jersey. All the actual th- interesting things and basically tr- sort of crowbarred about seven different fucking sentences together to make it sound like he was trying to be a little bit positive about it. And it's like, you just you just got beat 44 fucking nil in a derby. Stop trying to put a fucking happy face on this. It's They're just absurd. They're an absurd organisation. Uh, Tim Colton gets in touch and says, shit, is Bristol's defence in the last 50 seconds of the game? Also shit, Bristol, mm. for not realising that a Wasp team with Thomas Young, Joe Launchbury and Jack Willis in it will come hard for you at Rook time. And they made a complete mess of Bristol's Rooks time and time again. Your point before, it isn't did. it, about there's the lack of the plan B and all that? And they don't look like they've got a lot of... Like... They just don't look like they've got enough about them. But I will say, that last 20 seconds in that Wasps game, uh, number 20 for Wasps, was the most man off his feet, going straight off his feet at a ruck that I've ever seen. He basically looked like he was about to dive onto a slip and slide. And somehow Luke Pearce looked straight at it and didn't think that that was going off his feet. Which, I mean, it's not been a great... A great fucking week for referees, but that was very bad. That's what we got here then. Um, Bath Bites gets in touch and says that shit is the colossal bunch of knobheads who decided that it, if there's a rumble kicking off on the pitch, it's perfectly acceptable to pitch in. It is perfectly acceptable. Uh, good. Absolutely it is. Wayne Barnes actually red carded Williams for leaving the bench and wading into the brow. Yeah, that is good. He absolutely deserves to be red carded for it. And yet, and yet. <laughs> and yet. Brilliant. I loved it. Toby Baker also waited on this and said, shit is the new trend of non-players getting involved. The Munster doctor the other week, sale physios yesterday, and Harry Williams again today. Mm. Yeah. I think a player on the bench is is unacceptable, but yeah, acceptable, if you know what I mean. But physios and doctors getting themselves involved in this shit definitely needs to be locked down, I think. Yeah. Players, is it's a weird thing. The player thing I can sort of forgive in a weird way because it's like well you know 
but that yeah physios doctors non-playing staff that just feels like you know how ice hockey there's like fighting's allowed but yes. there's rules it's kind of like <laughs> in rugby yeah, I know we're and shenanigans yeah. are allowed if you're on the set you're on a level playing field you're all players you've all signed up for this you yeah. all need like doctors and physios and trainers and anybody on the support staff that they're they're not part of that fraternity that's allowed to get into those sort of things maybe that's hypocritical i don't know it probably is but i see where you're coming from but actually in the cold when you know at the end of the day no it's probably not okay however there's still a part of us that likes it and that's just the truth of it yeah Uh, it's like shaking stevens do you know what i mean (laughs) there's the part of you that just just likes it all like that He's, you know, because he is, let's be honest, the real king of rock and roll, isn't he? He's the Welsh Elvis. There's no getting away from that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Owen Glyndu yeah. gets in touch and says that shit is, I've got to go back to fucking work tomorrow. Yes, I'm with you on that, Owen. He says, and also shit is the Ospreys keep up their pinned tweet status in the shit category. Yes, yes, they do. And I, <laughs> I don't want to open that door again to Josh's, uh, no, you know, no. the darkness inside himself. So uh, we'll leave that there. Have you got yeah. any more shit before we move on to good? Nah. I've got a good one for you. Speaking of the Ospreys, Andy Powell's offering to help. Absolutely. Get him in. What's the worst that could happen? What did he, what did he say in his tweet? I mean, I know, you know, people think I'm a bit of a funny one, but I'm telling you now, I'm a brilliant coach. So, um, I mean, he was. As demonstrated by his tractor parade of, of, in Brecon, you know. Yeah. I mean, he did win a trophy with Brecon as coach. So, you know, why not? <laughs> And What's... let's be honest, he won't mind being wheeled out to give bad bad news out to the press, will he? No, he'll have a great time. The press. Will I mean, we've already we've already technically got a head coach because let's not forget our head coach is still employed. <laughs> it's just that he's. <laughs> what is he doing? <laughs> if anybody knows, could somebody please let us know what he is actually doing in that organisation? Because it's fascinating stuff. <laughs> Yeah, you Is he some doing photocopiers, bit... you think? I reckon he's got some clarity copy yeah, alert. he's got some clarity. You know, there's that bit in, in... I don't know if you've seen the US office, but there's that bit yeah, where oh, yes, Creed gets Creed gets made manager temporarily, yes. and then he starts ringing everybody and, like, telling all the clients they're going out of business. <laughs> and Pam goes in and is like, I've got two photos of you here. Corporate really needs you to tell... This. There are eight differences between these two photos. <laughs> Corporate really needs you to find out what they are. And they're the same photo. I kind of feel like that's what Alan Clark's been doing for the last month. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what else have we got that's good here? Andy Brum says Leicester, Leicester not losing, which we've already covered. Have you got any good? Uh, good, genuinely. Um, good for Steve Tandy getting oh, yeah. a crack at a test job. Um, I don't know why Scott, the Scottish Rugby Union is so addicted to Welsh coaches when we are so demonstrably bad. Um, and the only time any Welsh team ever does anything good is with a non-Welsh coach. Um, but yeah, <laughs> good. I'm, but I'm obviously, looks at all those Eastern become... European teams and gone, we want a bit of this. We're sick of the, the Romanians and the Russians of this yeah. world getting all this action. Yeah. Why so... should Canada get all of the great? <laughs> no, uh, you know, Steve Tandy was always a good forwards coach, um, and I'm glad that he's got a a crack at a big old fucking job. And good luck to him. Yeah. That's we got us good here. Rob Diamond gets in touch and says, Good was my one and a half hours of kip on the sofa this afternoon, but shit was I missed after Saracen's Exeter game and I snored like fuck and everyone else hates me now. <laughs> that is what I call every Saturday, Rob. 
basically. Yeah, yeah. Every Saturday, I wake up earlier than I want to because I'm at that age mm-hmm. now where I want to wake up later, but I can't. Think, But it's not a problem because I get all my jobs done and I get to watch the rugby this afternoon. I get a load of jobs done, bit of washing, all of that kind of stuff. Settle myself oh, in. Yeah. I bought a new couch recently. It's got one of those, one of the ends on it is like, it's like a longer end, it's like a double bed. Oh, so oh. you're basically lying in bed trying to watch the it's rugby the at yeah. 2 p.m. with a fire on. You know, and, and you can, <laughs> and the thing is, what is it when you can feel it starting to happen? You can feel you think, I'm, I'm falling asleep, I'm falling asleep. But you don't go, but I'm going to change the position or stand up because I really want to see this rugby. You just let it wash over you, don't you? Mm-hmm. This is what mm-hmm. happens. This is what happens as you get older. You just let stuff wash. That's why you can't be angry about politics anymore. You've got to let stuff wash yeah. over you. And this is how they get you. This is how they get you, you see. You are metaphorically <laughs> and literally in a lying down position in front of the fire from the age of 40 onwards, I'm discovering. And you just let everything, <laughs> all the shit happen to you. I feel like you've really kind of let us into <laughs> something quite quite deep and profound. It was that I didn't um, know that was going to go there, but it did. So there you go. Yeah, here we are. Um, good for me. Tell you play Fanatown. Not only because he played a game of rugby for the first time in 18 oh, months. Oh, yes, he did, didn't he? Um, but he played the full 80 on his first, uh, on a cold December evening, on his first run out in 18 months. And of course, he got man of the match because, <laughs> because, because he's Salupe fucking Fanatown. Yeah. Honestly, he's like, we do not appreciate how fucking good he is. He was epic. Like, just like turnovers, hard carrying, tackle, just all the all the classic Talupe shit. It was all the was greatest like, hits in one set. All perfect serenity while doing everything brilliantly and just looking like he literally just stepped back on the rugby field for the first time in a week, not the first time in a year and a half. God, it has been a while, hasn't it? Yeah. Jack Hurst gets in touch. He says, Good is Wharfdale RUFC getting listed as one of the best places to watch rugby in the Telegraph. A great fair small play. community club. I mean, it was uh, fair dues, Jack, but it wasn't Telegraph. It, that probably just means you've got a good, good selection of sherry or something. But um, because as well, of course, don't forget Wharfdale. Who is chairman of Wharfdale, Josh? Can you remember? No. It's our dear Who's friend, chairman? the omnipresent John Spencer. Spencer. <laughs> that well, that explains Dan it. Dan Bigger, yeah. Osprey, and Wales. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, there's oh, no surprise it's a fucking good club, is it? Is he going to be in charge next time? He's not Please the manager next time, is he? Ah, oh, boo. They're wandering around whistling at foreigners and them not understanding <laughs> what he was doing. They thought he was doing some kind of impression of a bird or something. Didn't somebody fucking try to fill him in in New Zealand as well? I don't know. I seem to remember that happened on the tour. Didn't, weren't they out for like... They were oh, hang on, this lunch, is ringing like a bell a... now. Yeah, and some people yeah, got the arse with John. Yeah, they were for dinner one night and a bunch of fucking Larry Kiwis in the restaurant basically Don't started Don't fucking whistle at me, man. <laughs> Settle down, Which people. Which is totally unacceptable, Settle down. And yeah. This is not necessary. Anyway, <laughs> so yeah. Good for, good for Wharfdale, yeah. good for John Spencer, good for Jack Hurst is what I say. Absolutely. Benjamin Parker gets in touch and says, good, it was Pleason's offload for La Rochelle today. I've not seen it, but La Rochelle fucking tumped the hapless Argent today. So uh, it was probably perfect for Pleason. He also says, good, is Dragon's improvement under Dean Ryan. They do look like they've got an actual rugby coach in charge again, don't they? Yeah, it's it's amazing what the difference a very good, you know, a a solid rugby coach can make to a a team. (laughs) 
I could argue that my team might consider bringing in a head coach. <laughs> but You've already got one, you, you don't need one. So. <laughs> I've seen some people sort of argue that the Ospreys being absolutely fucking reprehensibly bad at the moment is evidence that, you know, Alan Clark was, you know, was doing that he was actually doing a really good job. And it's like, well, no, like taking somebody and then not replacing it, you know, having no head coach is obviously worse than having a head coach. Yeah. But having a good head coach is better than having a bad head coach. Somebody was making a point, I can't remember who it was on Twitter the other day, and I apologise if it was you and I'm not giving you due credit. I'm, I'm just, I'm very much claiming this is not me, so it's something off Twitter. Who was saying, actually, there's too much attention paid to kind of marquee player signings and not enough to marquee sort of coach signings, which arguably yeah. can do more for your club, especially if you're a club with not That's many marquee players. Easy. Yeah. And I think if you look at Wales, there's probably a, a very strong argument to be made there about actually it might be worth investing some money in some top-end coaching at the top. Well, it, it basically it was Warren Gatland who said that. Oh, was it? Was it? Like, it was, he said like when he was like, how do you fix the re- regions? And he said the first thing I'd do was stop p- plowing money into players and start plowing money into coaching and facilities. Mm. And like... That's quite a, and accept that you're playing a long game with it, and it's a five to ten year plan. Yeah, yeah, that's the sort of thing that he absolutely couldn't have done <laughs> while he was Wales coach because he couldn't very well turn around and say, you know, you shouldn't be paying these fucking Wales players through the <laughs> exactly. arse. Exactly. <laughs> but don't do it while I'm here. But that's absolutely what you should be doing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, but it's it's yeah. I think it's absolutely the way that Welsh rugby needs to start looking at itself instead of throwing loads of money at players like Liam Williams to come home or George North to come home or whoever. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's, it is what it is. It's it, Welsh rugby has got a long fucking way to go. Josh gets in touch, not you, another one <laughs> and says, good is all the Cardiff blues players out on the piss in Ponty before the Ponty Cardiff game. That's fucking hell. What a oof. What a day out that is. I don't think it, all the time I spent down in South Wales, I didn't go out on the piss in Ponty. Was that something? I did, you missed literally I, nothing. I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't think that I would have done, but just to confirm, I imagine something you've done. But anyway, he says, anyway, another good thing was that Ellis Jenkins offered to mop up after somebody had spilt a pint. <laughs> now, I don't know much about Ellis Jenkins, but somehow that screams exactly what he's all about. Yeah, I do like Ellis Jenkins a lot. Let's be honest; he's a he's a very nice man. He's obviously fit enough to be out on the piss and mopping up, though. So that's that shows his rehab's going okay, doesn't it? Yeah. This fucking not battered after the Six Nations nonsense. No, if you can yeah. if you can clean up a pint, you can clean up a breakdown. <laughs> we'll even let you bring a mop if it helps. Yeah. Uh, Bailey and Aurora gets in touch. He says, "Good is Bill Matters offload for Graham's first try, and then." Gr- and then Graham then leaving the Glasgow player on his arse to go closer under the post. Yeah, he did a kind of bit of a shimmy in the dead ball area, didn't he? Which is great. He did. did you I see did. that fucking offload, by the way? It was the, it, it's, it was the, um, the... I mean, we're all used to the cat flap offload now, aren't we? Of course we are, yeah. However, there's still something glorious about a large Fijian doing it. And it's yes, the, it was the bullet-like speed that the ball went at. Just through a small flick of, of the wrist, it went like a fucking bullet. It was incredible. It, it absolutely had no business going at the velocity that it went for. I mean, it just shows what unbelievable speed 
he has that unbelievable power he's got in his forearms. Or the technique. There's something of the badminton yeah. player about it. Do you know what I mean? The kind of yeah. flick of the wrist of woof, both straight, and away it goes. Yeah. Yeah, but it was glorious. If I'd done that, we'd gone about three foot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> my son was what my son's eighteen, and he's he's not he, like me. He's not a gifted sportsman. You know, he has a go. He likes it, but he's not so good. And we were watching the football and our ten-hour marathon boxes, and he was like, "I just don't know how they kick it that far." <laughs> like when they take a corner and stuff. I said, I know what you mean, That's yeah. True, I know man. what you mean. It's true, because it looks like you should just run up and you give it your full welly. And it's like, well, when I do it, it goes about 22 metres at most. But uh, Yeah. Uh-huh. Anyway. Yes. Uh, what else have we got here? Luke gets in touch. He says, good was there was over 5,000 at Kingston Park for the for Doddy Weir's fundraiser. That is good. Yeah, and Jordy Barrett good. getting kicked out of the MCG for, as the press put it, sculling pints. <laughs> no, pints? Half. Yeah, do you remember when they did? Um, well, you know the Welcome to Country that they do in Australia when they have the, um, you know, the what the First Nation people come out and do their Welcome to Country. One mm-hmm. guy came out at one game about three years ago and actually just said, "Welcome to such a place. Everybody, scull all your pints and welcome here and stuff." And he was like, "What was a good job? Well, no wonder it's, you're given yeah. special dispensation by the original inhabitants of the land to, to do it." So exactly, it's positively encouraged, if anything. What else have we got here? Tom Gorman gets in touch. It's as good as Joe Simmons holding up Jamie George over the line when he had no business Absolutely doing so. Is. 100% agree. Hard agree, as Josh would say. Yeah. Sean Troy gets in touch. It's as good as that Le- Leinster haven't lost since the game against Saracens in May. He said, however, shit is the state of the Pro 14 that allows Leinster to go undefeated since playing Saracens in May, almost entirely without their internationals. But yeah, we've covered some of this. It is yeah. a structural thing, I think, that needs to get sorted. It is. It's something that you can't... It's not Leinster's fault, but it is the Pro 14's fault. Mango gets in touch and says, good, towards the end of the first half of Harlequins versus Leicester, Dan Cole's casually lifting Joe Marler's shirt to pat him on the belly to try and get a rise out of him. Even Joe Marler laughed. Hashtag acceptable shithousery, yeah. I'm not even sure that even... Yeah, does it cross into shithousery? Yeah, maybe. Either way, it's great. I agree with you, Mango. Indeed. James Gork, Roger finally gets in touch. He says, good is I'm still buzzing from Friday. Umanga developing into something tasty. Minotzi getting his first try. Yeah. And Fekatoa tearing up Ashton Gate. Is it the start of good things to come for Wasps, do we think, Josh? Um, I well, I think you look at that squad and you go, how the fuck have you only won two games this season? Yeah, we said this, didn't we, last week? Well, you said it last week and I probably like, put it in agreement, but yeah. Like, Fekitoa is, f- like, an unbelievable player. We all knew this. Yes. Minotzi's a great player. Sapoanga's a good player. Sapoanga's a good choice, player. Second choice, all blackout two years ago. Yeah. yeah. Launchbury's a good player. You know, they've got a lot Thomas of... Young. Thomas Young's a good player. They've got a great lot player. of... Yeah, they've got so many good players that the fact that they went to shit as badly as they have over the last 18 months was really weird. Um, and yeah, they, they were always going to turn a corner at some point. Maybe this is it. If as much Maybe as it this was madness it. towards the end, possibly yeah. undeserved. However, it was... Uh... <coughs> yeah. Well, that's it for me. Have you got any more good? <sighs> nah, mate. That was our little festive interlude, everybody. Yeah. I'm going to go eat some crisps now. All we can do is wish you a very, very happy new year and that, you know, may the best of your yesterdays be the worst of your tomorrows and all that stuff. And I genuinely mean that. So, Indeed. All the best, everybody. Have a great one. Have a drink, Cuddles. Take care. Ta-da.
Have you heard the news? The Irish Independent has a new podcast. Thousands of people who work in the events industry are making more noise than ever. But are they being listened to? 20 minutes, five days a week, the Indo Daily takes you beyond the headlines and into Ireland's most talked about stories. Two gangs, 18 people killed, families torn apart. The Indo Daily podcast, available on Spotify, Apple, independent.ie and wherever you get your podcasts. Sports Social Podcast Network.